Let's open to the book of Philippians, shall we? Uh, we started a series through Philippians last Sunday, and uh, we're going to continue that series today. And we'll see where this takes us. Uh, last Sunday, we made it for the, through the first two verses, so we're moving right along. Um, I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then this morning I want to focus on verses 9 through 11. And then maybe next week we'll uh, bump back and look uh, at verses 3 through 8 in a little more detail. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, servants of Christ Jesus, who, who do you serve? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So last week we talked about what, what it means to be servants and saints, to be servants and saints in Christ Jesus. Uh, we talked about grace and peace. What does it look like to engage with others who may view things differently than you with grace and peace? In the Lord Jesus Christ, in the first century Philippi, Caesar is Lord, there is no other. And Paul is making a bold statement. No, Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Uh, where do we place our hope? Paul says, put it in Jesus, not in Caesar. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So Paul, Paul really likes these people in Philippi. He, he loves this community and he misses them. He's in prison, likely in Rome, and he's writing to them, and he says, man, every time I remember you, I pray with joy. Uh, there is a deep friendship and love that Paul has for this small church of Jesus followers in Philippi. And then he says, and this is my prayer. This is my prayer for you. He says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul says, my prayer for you is that your love may abound more and more. The word Paul uses here in the Greek for love is agape. This is a God-like love. This isn't uh, like, uh, may your love for French fries abound more and more. Uh, this is, the, may your God-like love 
abound more and more. May, may it just grow every day. May you love more today than you did yesterday. May you love more next week than you did this week. May your love be revealed as more, as abounding more in Jesus next year than it does this year. It's this ever-expanding, evolving, growing, forming love in the way of Jesus. It just keeps abounding. This is Paul's prayer. May your love, may it grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. May, may it never stop growing. May your love abound. May it abound and abound more and more in knowledge. Now, uh, Paul uses a word for knowledge here that, that uh, isn't just simply book learning, okay? It's not, uh, I know about that. It's, I know that. So, uh, there is knowing about something, and there is knowing. There is knowing about something, and then there is knowing. So, um, I've been to Israel, like Brian has been, he's going to go again. So, so uh, I, I learned about Israel before going. I read books about it. Uh, obviously, a lot of what takes place in the scriptures takes place in this small part of the world that's only 140 miles north to south and 40 miles east to west, just this little part of the world. I knew about it, but then I knew it because I experienced it when I went. Other places I've traveled, I, I know it differently now than just knowing about it. There's places you've been that I haven't been that you know that I just know about. Uh, I think this is important for us when we're interacting with other people because there's lots of things we can know about them, but we don't really know what they're experiencing. I've never lost a child to death. I've done a lot of funerals for parents who have lost children. And so I, I know about their pain. I know about their suffering. Uh, I've attempted as much as I can to enter into that pain, but I don't know it. I don't know it. And, and so it's very important when we come along someone in pain who is hurting, who is suffering, to say, tell me what you're feeling. But to never say, I know what you're feeling. You don't. You don't. Unless you've experienced the same thing, you can't say, I know what you're feeling. And even if you have experienced the same thing, different people process grief differently. Everyone's unique and different. And so, Please join people in their hurt, join people in their pain, but be very careful to say, I know what you're feeling. There's knowing about something, and then there's 
knowing. There's knowing. It's different. And so, uh, you know things I don't know. Because you've experienced things that I haven't experienced. I, I can know about the Sistine Chapel, but I've never been there. Uh, I can know about uh, someone you know, but I don't know them. And so this kind of knowing that Paul is talking about, it's experiential knowledge. It's not just information. It's not just book learning. It's experiencing something and knowing it. And so uh, I know uh, I don't like to eat meat. Some of you really like to eat meat. I just don't know that kind of experience. Uh, I know I like craft beer. And there's some of you who just can't stand it. And I just don't know what that's like. <laughs> I know that I like a good cup of coffee. Oh, Cashy said it's cold, but let me tell you something that I know. <laughs> I know that in my office next door, I have a gooseneck kettle, and I have a hand grinder, and I pour over my coffee every morning, and I know it's good, but something else I also know that is if, if it's really good beans, and you grind them right, and the temperature of the water is right, that as my coffee cools off, the flavor profile changes, and new tastes come out that weren't there when it was hot. I used to hate cold coffee until I knew coffee. And there's some of you that just don't know mm, what I'm experiencing right now, I would like to introduce you to it, because it is fabulous. Cheers. So there's knowing about, and there's knowing. Uh, Paul invites us to really know Christ, to not just know about Jesus, but to know Jesus. Uh, this knowledge, it flows out of love, Paul says. May your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So it's not just knowing who Jesus is. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's relational. It's knowing him and experiencing life with Jesus. And so there's things I know about, and there's things I know. Uh, so, what do you know about, and, and what do you know? What, what do you have experiences of? I know <laughs> from talking with a lot of you that, that we have a pretty diverse community when it comes to political orientations. 
And so uh, some of you know what it's like to be Republican. Some of you know what it's like to be Democrat. Some of you know what it's like to be independent. Some of you know what it's like to like Trump. Some of you know what it's like to like Clinton. Some of you know what it's like to not like either one of them. So I wonder what it's like for us as a community to just first admit that. I know about some of these experiences but I don't know their experience. And so this morning, I wonder what it looks like for our love to abound more and more toward those we know about, but don't fully know or understand their experience. Uh, that there are people of color, there are LGBTQ people, there are people of different faiths and religions who are deeply fearful in our country right now. Uh, you, you may say, well, there, there's no basis for them to be so. Uh, you may say uh, that they don't need to be afraid. That's their experience right now. So I'm just asking, uh, could we all try to understand a little better their experience. To, to know it a little more. Because they're afraid. And I've seen the stats. I know there's people of color who voted for Trump. I know there's plenty of women who voted for Trump. I know that there are gay and Muslims who did vote for Trump, but the vast majority did not. And many of them are afraid. So what does it look like for the church to come alongside them and show love, kindness, compassion, mercy, and say, we are a safe place for you? Um, there are many here who did not vote for Trump and can't understand why anyone would. Could your love abound more and more, and could you try to understand why some people did. What does it look like for your love to abound more and more toward those who voted for someone you didn't? Uh, what are the fears, anxieties, concerns of those who voted for Trump that you can say, I don't understand it, but I want to understand it more? What are the fears, anxieties of those who voted for Clinton that you say, I don't understand it, but I want to understand it more? The church is called to be a place of peace and unity in the way of Jesus. We are not called to be uniform. We're not called to all think the same thing and do the same thing and be exactly alike, but we are called to unity and to peace. And so there are people in this very room who think very differently than you do. And you're all in this room. And I celebrate that. I'm proud to be a part of this community. Where we are a group of people who recognize that first and foremost, our citizenship is in Jesus. 
And then you might have a political affiliation beyond that. But first and foremost, we are citizens of Jesus. And as citizens of Jesus, as the church, we get to love each other even when we think differently from each other. What does it look like for our love to abound more and more and to, to, to desire, to truly desire to understand the fears, concerns, and perspectives of the other? So, I've been here five years. I think I've talked about politics uh, maybe three or four times in five years. So there you go. Uh, I think it's important to talk about, though, isn't it? That the, these are the conversations we're having during the week. But why shouldn't we be having them as people of faith together? People at Philippi didn't view everything the same. But Paul invites them to experience a love that abounds more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you might be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul's talking about this day in Christian hope where Christ will return, that, that if we are a people who follow Jesus, we, we will long to des and desire to live a life of love that abounds so that we can discern well, so that we can make good and helpful and loving choices in our lives and in the lives of others, and that we might be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, that when, when Jesus comes again, he'll look at the church and he'll smile and he'll say, yes, you got it. Unity, love, peace, grace, Joy, these are the things that Jesus calls the church to. That, that in a deeply, for us, in this country, a deeply divided nation, the church has the opportunity to show the world what it looks like to love well. To have unity and peace with those who are different than us. This is an opportunity for the church to live the light and life of Jesus when people around us are deeply, deeply divided so that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is for God's glory, that we would live this way. It's not to elevate ourselves. It's not to, uh, to experience, oh, look at how loving I am. Uh, th this is to be filled with the fruit of righteousness for God's glory. Righteousness here, this idea of right relationship. It really goes back to the idea of Shalom, to live the life of shalom, to live the life God intended us to live from the very beginning 
of creation. We get to live this light, this life, this shalom in right relationship with God, with others, within ourselves, and the planet that God entrusted us with. The fruit. The fruit of righteousness uh, goes back to another image, a metaphor of growth. May your love abound, and may you be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And so, uh, for me, and I hope for you, uh, I've been thinking a lot about what, what I know about and what I actually know. And I know that I want to know Jesus more. I know that I want to know what it's like to live the way Jesus calls us to live more. I, I know that I want my love to abound more and more, and I know that I want your love to abound more and more. I've also been thinking about what I know about, and there's a lot I don't know. And so if we can admit together that there's a lot we don't know, there's a lot we don't experience, that other people do experience, I think that will make us more loving people. If we can attempt to put ourselves in the shoes of the other and begin to try to understand what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, I think it'll make us more loving people. It'll cause our love to abound. Uh, God didn't know. Oh, whoa, God didn't know something? I don't think God knew what it was like to be human until he became human. There's this real sense in which God created all that is, and he created it good. He created humans in his image, in his likeness, so he knew about it, but he didn't know what it was like to actually be in the flesh. And so he came in the flesh and experienced what it was like to be human. Uh, I, I hope our knowledge and our love will grow more and more. Je Jesus came to experience what we experience in the flesh. And he experienced death on the cross on our behalf. So that the dream, God's dream for the world for peace and healing and wholeness and shalom could come to fruition. God's longing for us is that we would be whole and that we would live this life of love that abounds more and more. So this morning, as you take a piece of bread and dip it in this cup, 
We do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. That he died on the cross for us. Gave his body. Gave his blood for us. He knows what it's like to experience all sin, all heartache, all brokenness. He knows what it's like to suffer in that way. We don't. And thank God for that. We never will. He knows what it's like to take all of that on. Uh, so this morning, I wonder what it looks like for us to come and take this bread and dip it in this cup and thank God that he knows experientially, through and through, so much that we will never know. And in some way, may that help us to recognize that there is so much other people in our world know that we don't. But we can choose love, we can choose empathy, we can choose kindness and mercy and compassion in the way of Jesus. Rather than just staying in our bubble of what we know and saying, I must be right because this is what I know. But instead to expand our vision to a kingdom vision that includes everyone and everyone's experiences that Jesus knows that we can't begin to imagine. So I want to invite you in a couple of moments to come and partake of the bread and the cup. And I hope more than anything that you will know, that you will know more than ever how much God loves you. That you will know the risen Christ more than ever. Not just know about, but truly experience the risen Christ and his love in your life. God, I pray that our, our love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. God, give us more love, give us more kindness, compassion. Make us more and more people of hope and healing. In the name of Jesus, amen.